Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. session uh, is not going to be the last session on family matters. Amen? Uh, it was supposed to be the last session, but it won't be the last session because I will talk about this again and again in November. I think a few couple of times. Amen? Somebody say family matters. Amen. Say family values. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. How many have listened to the two, the first two we've talked about on family matters and family values? You've heard them? Or if you haven't, you need to catch up. You really need to catch up. Woo, you're missing out on some gold. So, we've talked about family matters in, in, in terms of the culture that we need to develop as a family here, but as a family at home as well. Both, yeah? In your family, there's a certain culture you need to develop, but quickly I will say this, I've said it every week, the reason for that is because culture is what determines what comes out of your place. Mm -hmm. The premise is this, even good seed dies in bad ground. So it is very important that not only the seed is good, but the ground must be good also. That we learn from the parable in Matthew 13 that the Lord Jesus gave. The ground is as equally important as the seed. The seed in this case is the word of God, the purpose of God, the callings of God, the will of God. It becomes the seed. God wants to release his will on earth. But to be able to do that, he has to use human beings, you and me, families. And so if we don't get our culture right, we will keep choking what God wants to do in our family. Do you get me? That's why it's important. In a church, we can say God wants to move in this city. If we don't get our culture right, we will keep killing what God wants to do in the city. No matter how much he says, we'll still chalk it. Get it down your system and understand it is possible for a human being to frustrate what God wants to do. That's what Matthew 13 teaches. Some seed fell on good ground, some seed fell on rocky ground. Those are just the conditions of the hearts of men. Hallelujah. So when we're talking family matters, I've been talking about cultures in the family matter very much. You need to go back and listen to the two that we've talked about. We've talked about how to create culture. We create culture by identifying what we value. Hello? We say, if you show me what you value in your home, I can show you what culture you're going to have. If you show me what a company values a lot, I can show you what culture they're going to have in that company. Culture is made up of values. Are you with me? So previously we have said, if you make a value of gathering around the Heavenly Father in your home or in your church, if we say our family shall always gather around the Father, we value the presence of the Father, we will create a culture of honor. Now, who doesn't want a culture of honor in their home? When the Father is honored, if I can bring the little ones in my family to say, hey, you and me can value the Father and worship the Father, what's going to happen is that at the end of it all, we're going to honor one another. I'm going to honor them because they are also God's children, not just my children. Hello? The other thing we said is that the second value we talked about was that when you gather around excellence, 
you're going to create a culture of love. Now this works vice versa too. If you gather around love, you're going to create a culture of excellence. And I was saying, parents, your children are not going to be excellent because you put pressure on them. I observed that in families, mostly people are going for perfectionism rather than excellence. So we, we, we want our children to be perfect, our spouses to be perfect, and we push for perfectionism rather than excellence. What is excellence? Excellence is the ability to just give your best all the time. Whatever lands in your hands, if you give it your best, that will be an excellent spirit. Hello? I'm oversimplifying it, but do you get it? And that spirit of giving your best, if I give my wife my best, am I not loving her? The spirit of excellence is the spirit of love. And it creates a culture of love. Hallelujah. And that's what we talked about. Today, I want to show you a little bit on how to build a culture of oneness. Somebody say oneness. Oneness. All togetherness, which really takes away from the word. Because oneness means becoming a unit, becoming one thing. Fused together. Hello? A culture where we become so one. You know, Jesus said it this way. by By your love for one another, the world will know that you are mine. A culture where we become one in our families at home. We aim for oneness. In this church, we aim for oneness. Why is that important? Because oneness is a culture where each person is valued in truth and in love. Do you get it? Now, who doesn't want to live in such an environment where you are valued? Do you realize you only go, usually only go places where you feel you're valued? If you came to my house and we kept you outside in the rain and, and we didn't offer you any drink, and the next time you might just text us and not come. <laughs> we, 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 we want to feel valued. Even just entering into a big store like Asda or something, you enter into a supermarket. You, I don't know, you just want to feel valued. And that's why customer services are busy teaching every employee never to say, I don't know, when you say, Excuse me, I'm looking for baking powder. And they are not supposed to say, I don't know. Actually, they are supposed to stop whatever they're doing and not just tell you which aisle, but take you there. Because a valued customer, a customer that feels valued, is worth some moolah. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to spend a bit more money in the shop. Now, we are not talking about that just for selfish reasons like they are doing. Listen, oneness is a culture where every person begins to feel truly valued and loved and honored. Then oneness is happening. So if in your family, it's a culture where the ones without money are the, are, are the most celebrated, the ones without money are the useless people of your family, we need to strive for oneness. And some of you might be the ones that are left out and people make decisions without you because you, know, you, don't, you don't amount to much in your family. Listen, we need to pursue oneness. Amen. We need to pursue oneness. When there is no oneness, there is strife. There is division. There is anger that leads to bitterness, malice, and all sorts of maladies arise from there. We need to pursue oneness. Hey. Oneness is a culture where synergy occurs for the benefit of all, not just one person. When there is a true oneness, there is a true empowerment that happens. 
This is why Paul says we prophesy in part. You know there's a proverbial story of the, of the blind guys, that, is it seven of them that went to see an elephant? I've told you this story before? Okay, if I've told you, just, just pretend I've never told you. You know, they, they went to see an elephant. Seven blind guys. They've never seen an elephant before. Seven blind guys went to see an elephant. Are you catching my words very well? So when they arrived and they were they said, okay, here's the elephant. And you know how blind people want to see? They start filling it. The problem is, each one stood in only one place. Uh-huh. So one felt the trunk and said, I saw an elephant. It's, it's like a trunk. The other one touched the ear and said, I saw an elephant, but they were just describing the ear. The other one touched the leg and said, I, I don't know why these people say it's a big thing. It's just this leg. Are you with me? They also, in part, to get a full picture of the elephant, they had to come together and share experiences of the same elephant. And then they realized, ah, it's slightly bigger than I thought. Are you with me? Did you get it? Oneness empowers you. Oneness does not stop you. It does what? It empowers you. I'm talking about true oneness, not fake oneness. You know, there's a few sayings that I will quote, just two of them. They say, if you want to go fast, go alone. Have you heard that saying? But if you really want to go far... Get together with a team. What that saying represents is that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go with a far, get together with a team. If you want to do something that is not worthy, something that will outlast you, outlive you, something that get together into a team. Hello? It doesn't mean that on your own you can't achieve things. You can achieve things, but, but, but it, it rarely do people do extraordinary things on their own. Even the so-called self-made millionaires. You, you do know there are no self-made millionaires. That's just a nice one to sell books. You know? They've got, I mean, just to write them an email, they won't even respond to you. It will be one member of their team responding to you. People who are going far and achieving great things might look like they're geniuses just on their own, just because that's what the media shows. They have got massive teams around them. Hello? You can't achieve much by yourself. Oneness. Begins to be important. The other saying I will say is, is a simple one. Everybody knows this one. Everybody knows this. The acronym for team. Together, everyone achieves. Oh, you people do not attend training sessions. <laughs> I need to change your culture. You need to, ch- to attend personal development sessions. You know? Together, everyone achieves. I want you to take note of that. As much as you've heard it so many times, but take note of the fact it is everyone or each one. Okay? Together, it sounds like it's a contradiction. Like together, each one achieves more. But that's what oneness does. Hallelujah. You do want a culture of oneness, but let's give you even more spiritual reasons. Oneness is a place where God Himself blesses. Psalm 133 says that. Yeah? Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that was poured on Aaron's head, flowing through to his beard and to the rest of his garments. Yeah? It is like the dew of Mount Hermon. You know the scripture? And then it says, For there the Lord commands, eh? In a place of oneness, even God commands a blessing. Nothing moves God than oneness. Mm. You want this culture for your family. You want this culture in a church. You want this culture in any community. You want oneness. 
How about the scripture that talks about uh, two, uh, 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 one cord is easily broken, a threefold cord is, cannot be broken? Okay, I can tell you a lot more things. Let's give you another spiritual reason. God himself operates in a culture of oneness. Because he is God the three in Have you thought about that? What makes God this awesome God that he is? It's the fact that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is one. Mm. Is one. Scripture proof in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. When he's making man, what does he say? Let us. Make man. God operates in that culture of oneness. It is let, not let me, let us make man. Oneness is what did all this creation you see. Because if you read verse 1 of Genesis, it says it was black, it was void, it was dark. And the spirit was hovering over it. And the father spoke and it was created. And then you read John chapter 1, it tells you, by the word, which is Jesus, everything was created. Are you with me? <laughs> Three things are happening. The Father is speaking the word, which is Christ. And the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters, making these things happen. Oneness is what created you. It is one of the highest values we can ever, ever have. Or cultures we can ever have. Hallelujah. What about John 10, 30? Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So the things you see me do is because I and the Father are one. That's why when the disciples came to him in John 14 and one of them called uh, Philip, I think, said to him, uh, just show us the Father. Just show us the Father. John 14. When Jesus was saying, I'm going to the Father, in my Father's house there are many mansions, I've got to prepare a place for you. Jesus is giving his best speech, and, and, and Philip says, cut to the chest, show us the Father. And what was Jesus' reaction? Philip, you surely by now should not be asking such a question. Because if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I am the Father. Ah. You want a culture of oneness. Come on. Come on. The children of Israel, you can find this in Deuteronomy 6.4. They used to, they, 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 it's called the Shema. The Shema is, 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 is the declaration, the call to prayer that they always made. Okay? And it is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. How many know that song? Here I Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. Hallelujah. It's a Jewish song. Here I... You know how the Jews dance? <laughs> the Lord your God is one God. Actually, in the book of Mark, when Jesus was asked, what is your, what is the most important commandment? He began it that way. Mark records it like that. Jesus began by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. The first and most important commandment is this. Love the Lord your God. Because he was addressing the Jewish scholar. He was calling them to attention. Because that's how they used to call each other to attention. One. If I had time, I would show you a lot more. John 17, the Lord Jesus prayed, Father, Father, make them one. Just as you and I are one. That they may be one with us. The culture of oneness, even Jesus prayed for it. For you. So let not the enemy put anything asunder. Eh? Come on. Do not let the enemy put us under the culture of oneness that Jesus prayed for us. Yes, sir. I'm yet to see a prayer that Jesus prayed that has never been answered. Because when he prays, he, he's the yes and the amen. He gets the answers. So do you think if he prayed for your oneness, he's got that answer? 
You and me. One. You and your husband. One. You and your children. One. Are you with me? We need to pursue the culture of oneness. Hallelujah. Mm. Now I want to take a few minutes and talk about how we can build the culture of oneness. I already shared with you to say to build a culture we need values. Okay? What sort of things should we value so that we may build a culture of oneness? Before that, let me just share with you this story. In 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 Malawi, there is a there is there is a they used he, he died now. One of uh, a national evangelist uh, in Malawi was called uh, Shadrick Wame. He never preached in English. He was not edu- an educated man, but he received a call to be an evangelist, and 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 he would and he has one of the most well-known evangelists in the country. And he would preach in the local language. He became so well known that he would go now and preach in places and people would be interpreting in English for him. One man that saw so many people get saved. I'm interested in one of his stories that I heard him share in our church when he came one time when I was in Malawi. It's the story is in the vernacular, so it's very hard to put in English. So I'll, I'll just try and summarize it for you so that we make the point we're trying to make. Amen. So he talks of a story of a man. He says, um, it is a parable. He says there was a man who when he was young had an accident and his face was affected, his nose was deformed and all that. But this is back in the days before mirrors. So this man developed a massive temper. He had a temper. He couldn't get along with people. And so everybody became, became very scared of him. So nobody told him that he actually had a deformity. So this man, when there was a contest in the village for, a contest in the village for, for singing, he would win it. And he thought he's just the greatest singer. When there was a contest for you know, looks, fashion, he wins it. Outright, he's the most handsome man in the village. Until one day, he sees his face in the river. And he realizes his nose is that way. And he's not as handsome as he thought. And so he returns to his relatives and he says to the relatives, People, why didn't you tell me? You mean, why didn't you tell me? And the people said, because we were scared of you. We were scared of you. And he said, you mean when I won the singing? Yes, we were just scared of you. You are not the best singer. When I thought I was the best dressed, yes. We were just scared of you. It's like the king with his invisible clothes. What do I want to draw out of that story? I'm drawing just one simple thing. Had he valued his relatives before and treated them much better, they would have perhaps told him the truth. Perhaps a culture of oneness would have lovingly showed him the truth. The point I'm trying to make is that if you don't value relationships, you will not create a culture of oneness. I heard a story from, uh, I think, Brian Houston one day, and, and he was talking about a leader, one of the leaders in his church that came to him to say, how come you never rebuke me or correct me? And Brian Houston said to him, because you can't take it. <laughs> the day you show me you can take correction, I will correct you. Hello. We need a culture of oneness where we can be. If you're missing a culture of oneness, you are missing out on a lot of correction. By the way, correction is not a bad thing. We all need it. Yeah? 
It's a bit, it, it, I mean, I know sat-navs now just, just make us not need each other that much. You know, but back in the days, you get lost a few times wherever you go. A few times. You know, you tend take the left when you're supposed to take the right. The street sign is not there, therefore you don't know what street you're on. And you would stop and ask somebody. At that point, you would want them to correct you. Sir, you are headed in the wrong direction. Turn round and go back. Correction is a beautiful thing if there is a culture of oneness in the place. Hello? But when there is no culture of oneness, what begins to happen is that there is no real correction happening. So people keep hitting the wall. You are hitting the wall when somebody sat next to you that could have corrected you and given you good advice and avoided that. So it is important we create a culture of oneness. When there's no culture of oneness, people leave you to your own devices. We, leave, we, we just say, mm, okay, okay. You know, that's what human beings are like, right? We just pull away and say, mm, okay, okay. I'm not sure about what he's doing. Okay. That's not good. That's not safe. We all must work hard to come to a place of oneness where none of us will go amiss. Hello. Where we will hold each other nicely and wonderfully in love, accountable. And say, Pastor Bright, I really don't think you should do this. And Pastor Bright will be, really? Why? You know, he will incline his ear to listen to what you are about to say. Because there's a culture of oneness. We celebrate each other. Hello. And so we're going to pay attention to another's observation. And we'll say, oh, really? Okay, I, I didn't realize. Uh, or, or, no, but I thought it this way. Oh, really? I didn't know. Okay. Hello. Somebody, 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 go there. Oneness is what we need. Amen? So here is the point. If we're going to create a culture of oneness, we're going to value relationship. Somebody say relationship. relationship. Yeah. We're going to know the value of relationship. Mm. Mm. First Peter chapter 2 verse 4 to 5 the apostle Peter writes I read the new American standard bible apostle Peter writes it this way and coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men but is a choice and precious in the sight of God you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When you think oneness, think of a building. The Apostle Peter puts it this way. He, he says Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's the living stone. He's the chief foundation stone. And then he says, but you also, because you have come to him, you have become living stones. Hello? I'm very sure in our days he would say living bricks. Because these days they are building with stones. Those are durable. The most durable buildings up to now, okay? They are built with stones. But, but living, you've become living bricks. Living stones. And you're going to be built. Do you see the picture? He is the foundation stone, and you're going to be built on top of the foundation stone, one upon the other, into one house, a sanctuary for God. What did we say oneness does? God blesses oneness. It seems God dwells in oneness. When we become one, we create a place where God can dwell. going to get the presence of God strong in our family? Become one. How are we going to become one? Begin to value relationships. But you see, I've seen people building before and when they build, the builders will tell you, uh, actually I can tell you a sad, it's a story, it's not very, uh, I, I recently in, in my country, in Malawi, a few school buildings collapsed and they injured a lot of kids. When they did the, 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 what do they call it? The, the inquiry, the investigation, 
What they found is that it was just the corrupt practices of the con contractors. There was no integrity in the quality of the mix they were using to hold the bricks together. So, I know, it's a sad story. Because a few kids, uh, I think some lost their lives. And it happened in different districts. And in one place, it was just the same contractor. Their buildings kept collapsing, these classrooms. But because somebody somewhere decided when they were building to remove one bag of cement, to add extra sand, to change the ratios, the building collapsed when the kids were inside. The ratios of that, of, that, of that mix, that's the relationship I'm talking about. <laughs> we are living stones. What holds us together is how much we value the relationship. The quality of our relationships is what will hold us together. Hello? So it's, it's, I'm sure if you, you come from family, some of you have brothers, you have sisters. It's not enough just to say, oh, I'm your brother, you are my sister, that's, that's, that's enough. It, it's never not enough. <laughs> you do know that it's never not enough, right? I know they say blood is thicker than water, but I've seen people that are so related that never talk to each other. Yeah. It's never not enough. I've, I've seen somebody die and their own children never come to their funeral. I've seen it. The, they are related quite all right. By birth certificate, even genetically they are related. But the quality of their relationship cannot hold the building. Even you and I are related in Christ. You believe in Christ, I believe in Christ. Washed by the same blood, one spirit. We are all baptized in the same spirit. But we need to work on the quality of our relationships. That's the lesson there. The quality of our relationships need working on. You heard that story, right? Of the old man that said to his wife, when the wife said, how come you never tell me you love me? And he turned around and says, 30 years ago when I married you, I said it. You didn't get it. <laughs> they should listen to the podcast. They'll get it. You don't just say it once. The quality of relationship is something we work on. Continually improving the quality of the relationship. It is the same at home. It is the same between husband and wife. It is the same between parents and children. It is the same between brother and sister. It is the same between you and me in the church. Huh? The quality of relationship is something that improves only when you work on it. How to improve the quality of our relationship begins to be the main issue of this discussion. If we're going to be one, we must start meditating on how can we do better in our relationships. Does God say anything about this? What does the Bible say about how we can do better in the quality of our relationships? For that, I'm going to take you to Romans chapter 12. And, and we're going to read Romans chapter 12. We're going to enjoy Romans chapter 12. But today, all I'm going to do is take three hows out of it. Just three. Three foundational stones, I believe, on how we can best improve the quality of our relationships. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to go into Passion Translation. I'm just going to read as much as I can. My intentions was to read the whole chapter. I think I can. Let me read the whole chapter for you. It's about 21 verses. Romans chapter 12. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Keep culture in mind. 
This will empower you to discern God's will as you live as a, as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Verse 3. God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurements. And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. Is it preaching to you? He says, God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace, gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of your compassion. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Never, and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continued joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you're too important to serve others, but be willing to do manual tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Mm -hmm. Look at your neighbor. (laughs) Never hold a grudge or try to get even. But plan your life, your life around the noblest way to benefit others. That's challenging. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge. But live that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Enemies will eat this week. (laughs) Win him over with kindness. For your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience. And God will reward you with favor. You see how to get favor there, people? Mm -hmm. Not in the prayer line. Buy your enemy lunch. The last verse, never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. Now, does God say something about relationships? Come on. Come on. Is he talking about how we can have a good quality relationship? It speaks for itself. 
speaks for itself. As I finish, three foundational things I pick from there. Number one, be surrendered to God first in your relationships. If we're going to have good relationships, be surrendered to God. What does that mean? Be on God's side in your relationships. Amen. Be like the angel that said, I'm not on your side. I'm not on Jericho's side. I'm on God's side. Always be on God's side in a relationship. That means, looks like this. In that relationship, if God is going to use someone to bless, let it be you. In that relationship, if God is going to use someone to provide money, let it be you. Have that heart. If God is going to bring peace in this place, it will be me. That means you are now on God's side in every relationship. Are you with me? You are not one to cause strife in relationships. Uh-huh. Uh, that's not your portion. Where you have been, there shouldn't be stories of the strife you caused. There should be stories of how you caused peace. Mm-hmm. So you decide, I'm on God's side in all my relationships. In this church, I'm going to be on God's side, which means I'm the bringer of peace. If God wants to bless somebody, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to put my hand up and say, God, I will bless, I will bless. Send me. You are surrendered to God in the relationship. Any relationship, it works. In a marriage relationship, it works. God is looking for the surrendered in your family. It doesn't matter that most people are not saved. It really does not matter. God is looking for the surrendered in that family. Will you be the one? You can be the one. The second thing, remove pride in the relationship. Hello? That's what it says. I'm just going up to verse 5. That's all. Remove pride. It says false image of self. Hello? Nowadays, there is so much false image of self on social media. Hello? Oh, Jesus is Lord. Self-promotion is not a good goal for a quality relationship. If you are going to have a good quality relationship, you cannot have that goal to be you to be promoted. It's not a good goal. I know nowadays everyone is a brand. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm a brand. Mind how you talk about me. Hallelujah. (laughs) <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> Everybody is a brand. That's awesome. It's, it's great. But you do not remember the first verse said uh, do not follow the culture of the world. The culture of the world is 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 self-promotion. So people approach relationship to what will I have out of it for myself. You're not gonna have good quality relationships if your first thought is how can it help me? <laughs> That's what it says. Hello? What does it mean? You see, let me just talk about social media. We all have it. Before you post, ask yourself why. I know some, some of you, some, some Christians say, Pastor Phil, why? I mean, it's just a Facebook post. Yeah, that's where most of life is being lived nowadays. So we need to address it. Can you ask yourself why? You might probably just try to show off and give a false representation of yourself. <laughs> it's amazing. You, know, you, you, you can sit with people in the trenches and hear what they say about another person and then see what they post on Facebook and go, huh? <laughs> liar, liar, what sets on fire? Amen. Remove pride in the relationship. As, as simple as that sounds, we, we need to address relationship not from the point of self-promotion, but from the point of actually Paul says promoting the other person. He says hold other people higher than yourself. Now you will love me is every time I see you, Luther, I encourage you, I promote you, I speak good of you. Do you know what's going to happen? You and me are going to have a good relationship. It's as simple as that. Amen? Then we're going to have those moments, isn't it? Where I'm going to open the door for you, 
And you're going to say, you first, Pastor Gio. And I'll say, no, Luther, you first. And, uh, and we'll have a fight. I'll say, no, you first. And you first. And you first. Uh, it's awesome when that happens. Eh? <laughs> but do you get the point? The last one, and we've finished. The third one, the third foundation stone. No, we are joined. Okay? The apostle says, we have become one, like one body. One body. This is one body. Be aware, we are joined. <coughs> so we need to work on our relationship. We are already joined. Did you get it? Too late. Too late. We are already So we need to work on our relationships. In 1 Corinthians 12, he begins to say, uh, how awkward it would be for the hand to say to the eye, I have no need of you. Because it's, it's, it's really absurd and awkward because we are already joined. Do you know what that means? I genuinely feel your pain. Not the Bill Clinton way, you know. I feel your pain. <laughs> oh, you guys don't love politics. <laughs> Bill Clinton used to say that a lot. I feel your pain. You know, but generally, you need to start believing this. And, and some of you don't believe this. That's why you will struggle with the concept of oneness. We are so joined. When you are hurting, he is hurting. She is hurting too. When you are rejoicing, he is re we are joined. Become just aware that we are already joined. We're not trying to be joined. We're not trying to be children of the same father. We're already children of the same father. We are joined. And, and so Apostle Paul begins to talk about us as a parts of the same body. So what should parts of the same body do? Serve one another. I've got shoes on my feet because my hands served these feet. Very true, sure. <laughs> yeah? You serve one another. If you, you, you got here because the whole of you got here. You know, it's not like your hand is home. You know? <laughs> but you didn't use every part of your body to get yourself here. If you were driving, you used your eyes, your hands, and your legs. And, and you got here. And you got here. You know, and if you've been driving for a while, you didn't even use your brain at all. <laughs> it's automatic. <laughs> but you get the idea. We are joined. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them we are joined. Yeah, 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 we're joined, man. This is the way it is. It's the way it is. When you rejoice, I rejoice. When you hurt, I hurt. When you're in pain, I'm in pain. Are you with me? We are joined. Now, it takes a while for some of us to really begin to believe that. But we need to begin to believe it. It's true. There's a oneness. Because we are joined. My presence and my participation in your life must bless you. Should bless you. And if it is not blessing you, something must be corrected because we are joined. How would you like to keep hanging on to a hand that keeps slapping you in the face? Correct it. Speak. You, you are slapping me in the face because we are joined. Hello? But the, the opposite is also true. Your absence or your indifference is not a blessing because we are joined. So quality of relationship, being absent with one another, is a problem. Hello? Shall I speak to you? I mean that, you know? We participate in each other's lives. This is why it's important to pray together. Talk to one another. How are you doing? How's life? We're going to have some time to eat some food. Don't rush home, please. Let's have a chat. How are you doing? And even when you're rushing, then rush home saying, oh, guys, I've got to rush. I'm going to work. <laughs> you know, 
Those little things, because we are joined, that's why they are important. We're joined. Whichever direction you pull, you are pulling me there. Knowingly or unknowingly. Whichever direction you take, you're pulling me there. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. <laughs> mm. I've got to finish this thing. So before you act, think of me. Come and turn to your neighbor and say, before you act, before you decide, think of me. Yeah. It will save you from sin, this thing. Sometimes there's somebody tempting you to crazy stuff, and you just see bright in your head, and you go, ha, 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 I can't do this. I'm thinking of bright. <laughs> what will bright say? <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> it's true. These are practicals. It's true. You see, Mama Ezekiel, you go, mm mm, mm mm. I'm not, I'm not going to even touch this thing. You see, I, I had a wonderful story from Lydia the other time. Uh, Lydia in, uh, in, in Newcastle when she went for first year. And she says, Pastor Phil, I, I, I really wanted to party and have a great time, but I, I went to the club. And all I could hear was your voice saying, what are you doing here? Yeah, she was being honest. She said to me, I could hear your voice. You say, what are you doing here? And you were saying, you know, what's the other thing I was saying? He said, if you want to find a great man, you can't meet him in a club. And so she kept hearing that. She says, I know you disturbed my night. I left the party. Okay, those are nice stories. We've got to understand. We are so joined. You know, some of you are laughing because it's happened to you too. Yeah? You sat there and you were, Eesh, Auntie Debbie, if she hears this, <laughs> I'll just stop right now. Amen. We are joined. Let's, let's have, we're going to get to the communion table and, and have communion together as people that are joined to Christ. Amen. Relationship, very important. Value relationship, and we're going to create a culture of oneness.